I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome, everybody, to this bonus Friday episode of the Lakers Lounge. It's your favorite day of the week. It's my favorite guest. I'm just going to come out and say it. I'm sorry, Aaron. I'm sorry, Harrison. I'm sorry, everybody else. Um, Howard Beck is here with me. He's legitimately one of my favorite people in this whole freaking thing. He's covering the league for the rest of the season here with GQ. Um, I'm going to talk to him about the the league at large and obviously specifically about the Lakers and how he feels about them. Um, But Howard, how are you holding up? I'm doing all right, Anthony. Thank you. Thank you for the kind introduction. I feel like I need to apologize to that uh, list of people too. Uh, All fine, wonderful people (laughs) who um, I, I, yeah, that's so. Especially Um, not Harrison. Like he's just, you know. (laughs) Screw, Screw that guy exactly Um, (laughs) exactly he's just an aggregator like he's just you know he's just hoping you slip up and 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 say something that yeah he's just hoping you slip up and say something that can be taken out of context so he can go and get his stupid little clicks like that's all he's (laughs) is Wow. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not even commenting on any of that. Like that's, that's between y'all. I'm, I'm Paul and that's between y'all. Um, wow. Um, thank you. Appreciate it. Um, and and thank you for the, 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 the plug, as I announced, uh, yesterday on Twitter, I am covering, uh, the NBA for the rest of the, of the season through the playoffs, the finals for, uh, for GQ sports. And thanks to GQ sports for, uh, giving me a place to, uh, write my stuff for a couple of months here. Um, so looking forward to that. Still trying to figure out what the permanent home is for my writing and podcasting, but um, very, very happy to be writing for GQ sports uh, for the next few months and um, seeing where these very, very short to be crazy NBA playoffs are going, oh because um, as we will get into, I've never seen anything quite like this and we haven't even gotten there yet but um even the context of how we're getting in going into the playoffs this season is uh, like nothing i've ever seen so it's gonna be fun you, you 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 offered the perfect segue there uh you asked me this morning hey what are you thinking about talking about and you know i have been racking my brain and i've been watching the nba and really kind of paying close attention to the nba for well, I've been covering it for going on a decade and then I've been paying close attention to it for 20 plus years beyond that. And, you know, you've been covering it for 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 longer than that as well. And I I'm legitimately, you know, wondering is this the most wide open at the very least the Western Conference has has ever been. In the East there's a little bit there, there's a lot more, you know, certainty. Uh Milwaukee looks great. 
Philly uh, is is certainly dangerous uh, with the way that Embiid has played this year, and then Boston with uh, the way that they can play and the spacing that they can provide to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. They look really good. Um, and then in the West, it's just it's just rock fight after rock fight after rock fight after rock fight. And I've never seen it like this. I, 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 you know, there was always, there was always competition at the top, but this is top to bottom. So I, I, I would like to kind of start there. Is this the most wide open you've seen at least the Western conference? So this is my 26th season, hard to believe, uh, covering the league. And I'm not going to speak to anything prior to that because my memories are hazier from before I started covering the NBA. At this age, my uh, memories are hazy even of the 26 years I've covered the NBA. <laughs> so I guarantee nothing in terms of the factual basis or, uh, you know. Bob Ryan is just getting ready to pounce. He's just like, say, say, say the one thing, I dare you. <laughs> but, dude. Let me just say something real quick here. Bob Ryan, who has been covering this league a lot longer than I have, is so freaking sharp and has such crystal encyclopedic. clear memories. I, just, I, I talked to him for the first piece that I posted for GQ uh, that went up yesterday where I wrote about the idea of voter fatigue in the MVP race and my belief that voter fatigue is mostly a myth. Um, hmm. And I talked to Bob Ryan for that. Bob's ability... Uh, his his recall, his encyclopedic brain is just blows me away um, because uh, I, I can't remember. Like if you asked me about like, you know, whatever the, the, the MVP race in the 2007 season, I can't even remember who won it that year off the top. I got to go look it up. And then like, uh, you know, who was who, you know, what were the the storylines? And I, I got to refresh my Dirk? memory by going and looking at this. Uh, that sounds right. Yes, it was Dirk and the We Believe Warriors uh, year. There we go. Good job. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, but off the top of my head, I never can. I, I always have to look this stuff up to kind of like just refresh my brain. Sometimes people will hit me up for like, hey, we're doing um, a documentary or podcast series about the uh, late 2000s Knicks and you covered those teams. And I'd be like, yeah. And they're like, so here's all the things we want to ask you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Um, all right. Give me a week because I got to go back into the archives and, <laughs> and like read my old stories to refresh my memory. Yeah. All of which is to say, Anthony, that um in it, as far as I can recall, give that as as the the, the biggest yeah. caveat. I've never ever ever seen a, a year like this. I just haven't. And and it's it's wide open. We can talk about the West, but overall, period. Okay, sure. The Bucks. We've got some Chris Middleton, you know, injury news that came out today that sounds a little yeah. bit, uh, you know, worrisome. If he, but over, you know, but bottom line, if even if we say that the Bucks are the best team, or the Bucks and the Celtics are the two best teams in the in the league right now, it's a true three way race in the Eastern conference. I think any three of those teams could come out. Um, Philly being the third, of course. And in the West, there's like seven teams and that's, that's insanity. And it, and it may yeah. well be that when we get into the playoffs and it actually starts unfolding, we'll realize how insane we were to consider that it was seven, but it certainly yeah. feels like seven. And, and that's not just us. That's not just like, you know, dumb fans and media. This is the league, man. I, I, I talk to yeah. people all the time making the rounds over the last few weeks in particular, where every time I see a coach, a scout, uh, an executive, whoever, and I've been asking this open-ended question, who's coming out of the West? Who's winning the West? <laughs> and every single time there's a really long pause because they're not sure what to say. And I can see like them processing. And then they're finally like, well, you know, it's probably the Suns, or I think it's got, I think it's the Clippers or it's the Clippers or the Warriors or Anthony, you know who they never say Denver. 
the, the team Nuggets. with the best record in the Western <laughs> Conference. You know, who, yeah. you know who else? Who else? They also never say. The Memphis Sacramento. Grizzlies are the second best record in the West. You know who else they yeah. also don't say? You just said it. Sacramento. So the teams, the three best teams by record in the Western Conference, if I just ask the open-ended question of people, and again, these are NBA people. These are not us, you know, folks on the outside. These are the people who work in the league. They never mention the top three teams in the West. That in itself is unprecedented, Anthony. Like that part I can tell you for sure. My memory is being bad or not. Um I do not recall, and I don't think it's ever happened, that we go into a playoffs where the top three teams in a conference are, broadly speaking, not considered to be the favorites yeah. or at least expected to win their conference. That is unprecedented. It's wild. It's it's in some ways completely illogical, but it just speaks to the incredibly volatile nature of this season of the Western conference of this weird kind of, I don't even know if I want to call it parody. Some people are just saying it's, it's just, it's just meh. It's just mediocrity. like mediocrity. No, yeah. Mediocrity, <laughs> competitive yeah. balance. Uh, Adam Silver's greatest fantasies come to life. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to describe it, but it is, it is profoundly strange. And in a lot of ways it's, it's, it's phenomenal because I mean, it's really what you want, right? The NBA does suffer to an extent from, too much predictability. One and two seeds are almost never in danger. They're like, it, it's very it's extraordinary. I don't even know why we have a first round of playoffs between one, yeah. eight and two, seven, because it, it, you know, you know, the outcome before it even begins. And so when people are fretting over all oh, the play in and you're cheapening the regular season and all this stuff, guess what guys, it doesn't matter. You're seven, you're eight, you're nine, you're 10, whatever you quote unquote earned. And then you go through the play in. It doesn't matter. You're all fodder. You're, you're cannon yeah. fodder. You're not coming right. out of the first round with very, very rare exceptions, especially once they switch to the best of seven in the first round after yep. you know many, many years of it having been best of five, which I still prefer. At least that gave you a little bit of suspense. But we do have suspense now. And this is a good thing. Um, I, I, I think it's a good thing. I, I think mystery and, and, and not knowing the outcomes of things in sports is, is better than everything feeling like it's predetermined. Um, but as I say, it is profoundly strange. It is profoundly strange that the currently, as you and I record this, four, five, six, and seven teams in the West all feel like teams that could win the West. And that's the Suns, Clippers, Warriors, and Lakers. Like, that's crazy. There's no other yeah. year that I can remember where even one team in that range, I, I mean, maybe there's an occasional four seed that's really strong. It, but talking about five, six, seven seeds. But usually it was like, usually it was like a former championship team that like talked themselves into, yeah, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll do what we can to get home court. Right now we're seeing teams that, that like, just don't care about home court. All we got to do is win one road game. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like we could do that. And, yeah. and, and we're like, and, and, you know, I do think I thought, you know, a couple of years ago when the Warriors, you know, they lost to the Lakers and they lost to the Grizzlies that you would see teams pushing harder to not get into the play-in. But even still, you had you still had load management games, you know, while teams were potentially heading towards the play-in. And yeah, I, I, it's kind of fascinating how these, how these teams kind of look at the possibility of their entire season being at stake in a one-game sample size. And, you know, for teams like, you know, the Lakers or the Warriors, they're just kind of like, you know we would like to try to get out of there. We would like to, I think in the Lakers case, um, some of this was brought about by, you know, a LeBron foot injury that, that really kind of, 
you know, forced them into the spot. And then Wiggins' um, off-court stuff with the Warriors kind of put the Warriors in the spot. I think both of those teams, if they if they had their choice, would have been pushing harder to stay out of the situation. But even still, like the sense that I get with, especially in the Western Conference, is look, we're going to play a, t- a good team regardless. We're going to play whether we play whether we're a six seed, a seven seed, a one seed, a two seed. It doesn't matter. Let's just get there healthy. And, yeah. and I really kind of think that, that that's kind of the way that everybody's looking at this. And, and I think that's, that's led to this scenario where whether we have home court or not, we're just going to let's just get everybody there as healthy as we possibly can. And, and I do think it's kind of diluted some of the regular season. And I'm kind of curious, like, clearly Adam Silver likes this idea of parity or mediocrity, however we want to look at it. Um, the, the most recent CVA has that new apron that not just further taxes teams that are willing to spend, but gives them fewer tools to in, improve their team if they're above that apron. So clearly it, it appears that he wants, he doesn't, he, he, he doesn't want the Kevin Durant warriors to happen again. It doesn't seem like, um, unless it just kind of happens organically. And, and sometimes that's the case, but, but more often than not, you know, it's it's in addition from the outside world kind of came in there and really helped. And yeah. and I don't know, like I I don't know if this is the NBA that this is the, the version of the NBA that is really going to, to kind of take that next step because NBA fans aren't NFL fans. NFL, like if it's a, if it's a Sunday game or if it's a Sunday, people will just sit in front of their TV for 10, 12 hours at a time in the NBA unless it's their team, I don't really see that kind of interest in the league. Do do you think this is the direction that you would take the league if you were, if you were Adam Silver here? Well, um, I don't know. I mean, that's a really interesting question. Um, I I won't bore people with, with too much of a history lesson here, but I just want to cite this because I made the crack about, you know, Adam Silver's, you know, fantasies come to life in 2011 during the lockout, the last, you know, major labor stoppage the NBA has had, Adam Silver was deputy commissioner at the time, but he was doing a lot of the speaking on behalf of the league. And it was almost comical amongst us reporters who were covering the lockout uh, on a daily basis. We were joking about this line because it was embedded in our brains because Adam Silver said it so many times. And it was about, we want to create a system where all 30 teams, if well-managed, have the ability to compete for championships. And what we now have, Anthony, is, is, you know, almost, you know, 12 years later or whatever, it's essentially that come to life. Like that's exactly what we've got. I don't know about the well-managed part. Some of these teams are in (laughs) theoretical contention despite being poorly managed, but, and we don't really have 30 teams. uh, And and clearly like it's not a literal thing. You're not going to have 30 teams if well-managed can compete for a championship every year. Well, you're not going to have 30 well-managed teams. (laughs) Well, you're never going to have that for sure. Um, (laughs) I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. 
From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. But the one thing um, that, that we're seeing with, and it's through a combination of factors, but we are seeing this kind of equilibrium, mediocrity, parity, competitive balance, whatever you want to call it, where many, many more teams than normal. Than, and by normal, I mean yours and mine entire adult lifetimes many more teams than normal are going into the playoffs thinking they can with a, with a with a plausible rational belief that they can make a deep run and maybe even make the finals maybe win the championship and as we talked about off the top it is wide open that is that is toward what adam silver was alluding to back in 2011 during the lockout the idea that that they can create a system where everyone's got a shot small market big market glamour market, non-glamour market, wherever that you would have a shot. Um, it's not perfect. And I'm not saying like they, they, they've reached like, you know, competitive balance nirvana here, but there is some uh, outline now, at least this season of achieving what they kind of had hoped. It and, and it's, it's not even by design. Like it would be giving the NBA too much credit to say it's by design. Yeah. Some of what the NBA has done, um, with its CBA and some of what it's done with the play-in and the flattened lottery odds have all contributed to this. Some of it's just happenstance. Some of it's just injuries, man. Like you can't, if, if the Lakers don't have the injuries they'd had, um, and if Rob Palenka had made certain trades last summer instead of waiting until February, the Lakers record looks a lot different and we're talking about them differently. If the Warriors don't have the injuries they had and Wiggins missing six weeks due to personal reasons, maybe we're not talking about the same thing. Um, if the Clippers aren't going through the, the usual routine of uh, Kawhi's out, Paul George is out, Kawhi's back, Paul George is back. Somebody, there's all these different things that have gone into this that are just happenstance that you can't say are purely about, oh, the NBA created this perfect system where there's all this yeah. parity and the talent is dispersed. All that said, Anthony, there is more dispersal of talent. We, we went through an entire super team era where teams were loading up on three stars, four stars, and we just don't have that now. There, there is no super team in the NBA right now. And I'm including the Phoenix Suns in that because when I say super team, to me, it's at least three guys who are within the top 15 or 20 of the league in their prime. And you can say that about, you can say, and in their prime Durant and Booker fit that, that uh, description. Chris Paul no longer does the mm -hmm. Warriors won last year, not with a super team, but with Steph playing at an MVP type level, a, a diminished version of, of clay, who by the way is, is like, uh, like, uh, miles better right now than he was a year mm -hmm. ago at this time, which is incredible. And yet the Warriors right now are, are technically worse off. Um, Draymond Green's still great. Clay's still great, but like, it's not a super team anymore. It, Steph is the only one who you can say is, is consistently top 15 in the league and obviously top five, top, whatever you want to say. Um, mm -hmm. There are no super teams. So the lack of super teams is part of why we have this, right? If the Clippers had the third star, all due respect to Russell Westbrook, again, not it's not that Russell Westbrook, and uh, yeah. he's problematic anyway, as you and your listeners know. Um, that like they don't, if they'd had that third true star, the way that like the Heat when they had their super team, or the Celtics had their super team, or the Warriors had their super team, then you get through the regular season in better shape. Part of what we're seeing here with the standings is simply that no one has any margin for error anymore. 
and all the other things that you talked about. Teams diminishing the regular season, not a, not thinking the regular season is as important, especially if you're a team that expects to have a deep playoff run. Also, the Phoenix Suns made a major trade, obviously, at midseason. And so that's part of why their record doesn't reflect as the, the potency that we think they have. The Clippers, it's the injury stuff. The Warriors, it's a combination of things, including injuries and including, you know, all their dalliances with their young players and then giving up on their young players and then trading back for Gary Payton and then waiting for him to get right. The Lakers reformatted their entire rotation at the deadline. So one of the things that that I've been saying to people is like there is this, um, you know, whether you want to call it cognitive dissonance or whatever it is, the standings do not reflect the actual power structure in the Western Conference right now because all yeah. the teams um, in that lower range are not this, they're not the teams that built up those records. You know, you, you yeah. almost have to dismiss their records entirely and focus on who they have right now. Yeah, it's it's the whole the whole thing about it. You know, I think while the regular season, you know, fans in the regular season won't turn into you. You know, if you're a, if you're a Bucks fan, I've used this example in the past, but a Bucks fan isn't going to tune into like Magic Clippers, right? But if the league is as wide open as it currently is, maybe a casual fan does tune into a playoff game, no matter who is playing. And for this stretch, you can turn, you know, casual NBA fans into something closer to casual NFL fans, where if there's a playoff game, if there's an NBA playoff game on, we're going to watch. And, and I can understand maybe that approach and then hopefully kind of draw that out over the years and get people to, to tune in to the uh, midseason tournament in that in that way too, and 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 kind of expand it that way. But it is a process that's going to take a long time, and it is going to lead, I think, to some outlier years like like this one, which maybe are you know maybe five ten years from now we're going to say they are no longer outliers. Maybe this is maybe this is kind of the the end game. Two quick thoughts on that before you move on. Um, one is this is a great test case for the do casual fans really want parody and are going to be intrigued by all of the, um, the historically no. And that's the thing. So the NBA is, is, is a league of, you know, dynasties and powerhouses where we'll, you know, LeBron can go to eight straight finals and it'll, they'll all be great. They'll all be, you know, you know, ratings bonanzas because it's LeBron. And we say we want parody, but what we really want is to watch LeBron in the finals every year. Right. Um, we say we want parody, but what we really want is to watch the Warriors go to five straight finals, right? Although people were getting sick of them by the end and they hated the idea of Durant there and, and all the, you know, excess of riches kind of thing. Um, so this is a great test case this year where it, it's, is, is parody actually good for the NBA or is super team or super teams slash dynasties slash, um, predictability, actually the thing that gets the, the casual fan, because what they really want to see are stars. The casual fan doesn't care about that really amazing 10th man you got on the two-way contract that you converted late in the season. Like, I'm sorry. Most How people dare don't... you talk about Austin Reeves like that? How <laughs> dare you? <laughs> Un unstoppable Austin Reeves, uh, according to uh, my good friend. He just shot another free throw. Um, uh, <laughs> so there's, so there's, there's, um, there's that part. This is a great test case. The other question is, is this really the new normal or is this season just kind of like a, a, a weird confluence of events and we'll go back to what seems like a more and more, uh, more, more or less quote unquote normal NBA season next year. Was this just a, you know, a bunch of different things conspired to create this and next year, maybe it's, it's, it's back to what we've 
uh, seen for years. I don't know. I, I don't think anybody at the, you know, at the NBA knows. I don't, I don't think Adam Silver and, and, and some of the smartest people he has around him who have designed some of these mechanisms, I don't know if they could tell you for sure that this is the new normal that they can expect. Um, and, we, and we do have a new CBA, of course, coming that they've, uh, they're still working on finalizing. Another part of this, I think, that is really interesting and and a big factor in why we're seeing the amount of parity and why I think the regular season standings aren't, you know, they don't necessarily reflect the caliber of playoff teams uh, going into that scenario is we're seeing kind of a transition period of LeBron's era. Um, well, LeBron's era is over. All of his peers have retired, but, but um you know, that, that, you know, the LeBron Steph kind of rivalry that was the engine to the league is kind of giving way. And you have this next generation of stars with Giannis and with Embiid and with uh, Luca and with, you know, uh, Booker and, and, and that generate jaw, I guess, kind of fits into that mold as well. And, and I do kind of think like with the extended primes that we're seeing with LeBron and with Steph, um, is keeping their teams afloat in the way that a, a, a star at the end of their prime might, but it also means that because they're at that twilight of their prime, they aren't going to be as available. And, and I do, I do kind of think like these names that, that are synonymous with that greatness that, you know, if Steph is Steph, the Warriors are always going to have a chance. If LeBron is LeBron, if Kevin Durant is Kevin Durant, their teams are going to have a chance. I think I saw, a stat the other day that Kevin Durant in his last 28 games is 26 and two. Um, you know, so, so like those players who are on the other side of 30 in, in LeBron's case, closer to 40, uh, those players lasting as long as they have and, and, you know, kind of holding out the baton, like they, they would in, in a relay race where they're kind of slowing down and they're waiting for the next generation to speed up and take it and run, uh, next they're at that spot and that next generation is, is kind of ready to take it. Um, but, but, you know, kind of, kind of getting bored, I think of, of, <laughs> of these guys holding onto the baton as long as they have. And it's, and, and the star factor itself, I think is a fascinating, fascinating way of, of looking at this. Um, do you get the sense that the next generation is, is kind of looking at it like, all right, you guys gonna retire? Like, are you get, LeBron? Are you gonna slow down? Like, you, you shouldn't be speeding up when you're supposed to be handing me the baton. Like, this at some point, I need the baton so I can go next. Do you get? Do you ever get that sense from that next generation of the Jokic's and the Giannis's and 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 those types of players of of when's it? Are you guys gonna go away pretty soon? Like, is that is that ever gonna happen? <laughs> No, that part is kind of unprecedented too, right? Um, I mean, LeBron's entire career is unprecedented and his certainly um, how great he's been this late in his career is uh, is just a marvel. And um, what Steph is doing, obviously a little younger, but what Steph is doing, what Chris Paul has been able to do, even though he's you know clearly declining now, um, you know, sports science and better knowledge about training and nutrition and uh just just the, the focus that, that athletes of today have on their bodies year round, whereas in the past it was like you take the offseason off. It was truly the offseason. And then you come back. And the reason you had a one-month preseason was because guys needed time long. to get ready, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, Shaq yeah. needed time to recover from his uh, toe surgery on company time. Company um, time. 
so it's a different time. And so there, the, the overlap now between generations of stars and superstars is, is much greater. And it's a really interesting point, Anthony. I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Like, I don't know if John Morant and, and, you know, the rest of these guys, the younger generation are sitting around going, all right, guys, it's our turn. Move on. Um, <laughs> I kind of think, I, I kind of think the opposite. Like if I had to guess, and I, and I'm not saying this is, I don't want to make this sound, you know, too Pollyannish, but I like, you know, guys come up and they had their idols, the guys that they watched as, as kids. And when you get to the league and you get to then play against yeah. your idols, it's really fucking cool. Yeah. And you hear, you hear it from guys over and over and over again. And so you want to be I'm able thinking to of Kobe and Michael, like Kobe and Michael, yeah. like it was, if, if Kobe could have, Michael would have played his whole career. <laughs> what, I mean, what, how different is Kobe's career if he never gets those moments on the court with Michael to be able to like test him, go up against him, challenge him, pick his yeah. brain literally while Talk they're while they're talking shit, but also but also asking him for advice in the middle of a game, like yeah, that 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 happened. Um, and so the overlap is cool. It's also cool for us as fans. It's cool that we yeah. still have those those the, the 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 video and the snapshots of Kobe and Michael on the court. Um, and, and, you know, and, and not, and not Michael in a wizard's uniform, Michael in a bull's uniform. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I don't, I don't, I don't suspect that. And, and the other thing too, is this, it's not as though LeBron is still dominating the league, right? Like he won a championship in 2020, um, in a, in a strange context, I'm not asterisking it, but it was in a strange context. And since then he's had trouble just getting to the playoffs. Um, yeah. Kevin Durant, you know, was last in the finals with, the Warriors in 2019, but he was barely in the finals. So his last real appearance was 2018. It's almost five years since Kevin Durant won mm -hmm. his last championship with the Warriors. Um, Kawhi Leonard wins the championship in 2019, has not been anywhere near the finals since. Steph is the only one. When you talk about that 10-year stretch where it was where every championship, um, I think every single one, was won by either Steph, LeBron, Kawhi, KD and of course KD and Steph together, but like those four guys dominated a decade and they're all still around and they're also playing at a really high level when they play. Yeah. But they're having a harder and harder time playing more than about 60, 65 games. So to an extent, I think we already are seeing a little bit. I don't know if the baton has been handed off, but they're getting closer on the track um, to where they can actually <laughs> yeah. reach it. I, I think so too. I think so. And, and I do think that is like that, those last few strides as that baton gets passed is, is kind of where we're standing right now. And it has led to this very unique dispersal of star power. That is a result of just having so many stars. Like you don't normally have this many great players as, as, as the league currently has. And it's because the, the, of the extended primes that, that we kind of talked about um, heading into the play in, this is a Lakers podcast and and uh, I am trying to stop myself from being too much of a homer here. I you know, <laughs> um, I see I see a lot of what historically um, has allowed LeBron to go deep into the playoffs on this Lakers roster. You see some versatility on defense with AD and Vanderbilt. You see some secondary and tertiary ball handling. Uh, that can also shoot in D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves. Um, LeBron himself, uh, you know, you had the first half against the Clippers where he looked about as bad as we've seen him, but then you had the second half against the Clippers where he realized he needed to get to 10 points as quickly as possible in case that was a blowout. 
and he looked really good then. Um, AD is starting to look more like himself. I, you know, the worst thing that can possibly happen, I think, to the Lakers is me getting optimistic about them. So please dump some cold water on me. Like, please just say, <laughs> I, like, is there, is there, is there a team that the, the, the Lakers absolutely need to avoid? Is there, am I getting ahead of myself and believing that the Lakers can actually pull this off and win a, a round or two or three? I don't think they can win four. Um, but is, is, is there, is, is this a, is this a team that, um, you know, too much was changed over the course of the year to actually go on the kind of run that I think they might be able to like, where, where do you stand on the Lakers? If we were in a normal year, Anthony, um, we would, there would be a bunch of different ways we could throw cold water on the Lakers. They changed too much too recently. Haven't had enough time with all those players together. It takes time to learn how to play off of LeBron in particular, much more so than say playing off of Kevin Durant, who, as we all say, is this plug and play superstar. It's yep. easy to adjust to Kevin Durant. I'm not saying this is a knock on LeBron, but it's just it, it, this, his style. It, you, it takes time. We would say all those things. We would we would cite their record. Um, we would uh, cite you know you know whatever you know uh, you know minor um, bits of decline you might detect in LeBron. We would cite Le, uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis's health concerns. We would cite the general lack of experience of a lot of the Lakers yeah. roster in the postseason beyond yeah. LeBron and Anthony Davis, all of which would be fair and all of which I have just listed. So clearly I am citing it. Um, but the reason I don't <laughs> put as much, the reason I don't put as much a stock good trick in those there. things. That was, that was well done. That was good. <laughs> I don't even know how I, I don't even know how I got there. I couldn't replicate that, that presentation <laughs> if I tried. <laughs> With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, those things are all important factors and that I would cite as being really persuasive in a normal year, but this is not a normal year as we've been talking mm -hmm. about. This is a year where the top seed in the West, the Denver Nuggets don't have a clear cut second star next to Jokic. Mm -hmm. They don't play defense at an elite level. They sometimes play it at about an average level, which is great because they have, you know, that's, 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 that's almost, almost maybe good enough because they're elite offensively because of Jokic, but still they mm -hmm. have some clear flaws in a normal year. The Lakers, all those, those things I cited would mean I can't take them seriously as a contender in the West, but the problem or the, not the problem is the benefit to them is this is not a normal year, right? We, we've already gone yeah. through some of the caveats. Again, the, the Sacramento Kings, uh, really fun story. Great team. Love to see them finally break through after this, you know, 16 years of, of playoff drought, 17 years of playoff drought. Um, 
I was there for all those Lakers King series back in the day. It's it was awesome. Uh, I would love to see yeah. a repeat of that on some level. I think they need to temporarily but, name it Arco Arena, like Golden Golden. Yeah, it's really nice that Golden West. Like you got that, you got that sponsor. It's Golden really cool one, yeah. that they were able to give them the money. But but it needs to be Arco. Like it hey, needs listen, to be Arco I, for the playoffs. I I I had I had uh, a minimal amount of cash at, in a Golden One credit union back in the day when I was a student at UC Davis. So uh, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, props to Golden One uh, for having mm-hmm. the uh, the naming rights. But yeah, make it Arco just for you know. A, 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 even one playoff game just call it arco again yeah um I, I, we know they'll have the cowbells regardless but the oh, kings yeah. don't play defense and have no postseason experience right the suns again they've been together for five minutes i've said this many times in many places in the, in the last few weeks there is no precedent in nba history for a player of kevin durant's caliber or anywhere close to kevin durant's caliber playing 10 or fewer regular season games with the team and then leading them to the championship like there's just it just does not happen it may yeah. happen this spring in which case I will have to revise this along with many other things that I'll have to revise, but there's just no precedent for that happening. And so the sons of the team that we keep saying, well, if they're healthy, they should be the favorites in the West based on Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Deandre Ayton. But, but they have no track. It took Kevin Durant 40 plus minutes to beat Denver without their starting five last night. (laughs) Yeah. It's just, so this is why Anthony, I, 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 I apologize if there's some kind of weird double reverse jinx thing going on here, but I can't pour cold water on your Lakers uh, optimism or your Lakers hopes or, or the, you know, here's the case for them because I'm making that case myself. It's a, and I'm making that case yeah. for the Warriors too, a team that I stubbornly still believe in despite their record, which is, you know, basically the same record as, as the Lakers record. Like these are two teams where the first thing I'm looking at at a time like this is the Lakers still have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, and they're both playing at a very high level when they're on the court. They have a functioning supporting cast now, which they did not have earlier in the season. The Warriors still have Steph Curry playing at an MVP level. Klay Thompson playing at a, at, a, at a level higher than he was a year ago when they won it all. Draymond Green still playing at a high level. Wiggins is now back. Gary Payton II is back and in the rotation. Jordan Poole, you know, you, 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 you some highs and lows with Jordan Poole, but... The deeper the rotation is, the less you have to rely over or over rely yes, on him. Exactly. Um, and if Wiggins can get up to speed quickly enough, you've got a, your starting five with Looney in there. So now Jordan Poole is your sixth man again, along with Gary Payton, Dante DiVincenzo. It's not a lot of, uh, you know, the, their depth is not is not size depth. But still, there's eight guys. Those are eight guys I could definitely rely on. Whereas earlier in the season, it was Weissman, Kuminga, Moody, um, trying to, to, to you know, they're, they're – Ty Jerome was playing big minutes. Um, yeah. Like the warrior, again, the warriors who go into the playoffs are not the warriors who stumbled around for half the season. And it's not to dismiss the nine and 30 road record entirely. It's just to say like the playoffs are going to bring a different focus. They have a track record. We know exactly what the team's capable of. They have the muscle memory. They have all the time in the world together, which is more than I can say for the team's, that are above them in the standings. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, listen, the Lakers have a path. I'm not about to sit here and predict the Lakers going to the finals. I'm not predicting any of them are going to the finals. I don't, I don't yeah. want to make a prediction. I'm, it's a good thing. I, I'm not uh, working full time for a place right now. That's asking for all those predictions that we obnoxiously <laughs> do every spring. Cause I don't fucking know. I, I, yeah. I, like, I, like I could say the Milwaukee bucks are coming out of the East with some concern that maybe the Celtics are actually going to beat them or vice versa. But okay, I'm pretty sure it's one of those two. 
Yeah. I have no clue who's coming out of the Western Conference. I just I just don't. And if and if it were, if it were the um, proverbial gun to head scenario, um, which is a very violent bit of imagery that we probably need a better phrase for these days. Um, if, if I have to pick, I'm probably picking the Warriors, to be honest. Um but I'm 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 not feeling that confident in it because it very well could be the Suns, it could be the Lakers. I don't think it's any of the top three teams in the West, and I don't think it's the Clippers. But um, but all of these teams have a case if they're healthy at the right time. And again, it's just remarkable that we're talking about a field that large. Yeah, I don't know if you're a, a Marvel guy at all, um, but the you, you talked about a path and the image that came to mind was in the in the Shang Chi movie where they have like they have to go through this magic forest and they have one path that they have to follow and it was changing all over the place and it's like closing behind them as it's happening. Um and like it's what I mean is like their margin for error, any teams I think margin for error is like this wide as yes. they're going through the, this Western conference and and, you know, a lot of it is, is matchup dependent. Like, I don't think necessarily there are seven teams that can come out of the West. But I do think there are, there are like, seven teams that, if put in the right matchup, I don't know who, who you know, how series against those seven teams or between those seven teams would go. And, and, and you know, in a certain way, I, you know, the sports fan in me is intrigued by how sports fans at large take in this type of a playoff, this type of a Western conference. Um, the, the, the Lakers fan in me is obviously re really intrigued because this was all Lakers fans could possibly hope for at the beginning of the year, get LeBron and AD into the playoffs, give them a puncher's chance and let's see how this thing goes. Like if they traded Russell Westbrook, that was all that any Lakers fan could have possibly asked for. And, and that's kind of the scenario that, that is going to play out in front of them. How it's all going to go, um, I have no idea. I, just like so, you, I am not in the prediction game whatsoever. I wrote about matchups for Substack and all of that stuff, but most of it was just me kind of saying, like, poking holes in all of the teams because it's so easy to poke holes in them. It's like trying to poke holes in the Swiss, Swiss cheese. <laughs> it's easier to poke the holes in a, in a team in the West, uh, a, a possible contender in the West than it is to build the case for why they're going to win the West. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. There are way more caveats, asterisks, however you want to frame it, than there are, than there is a, a solid case for anybody. Um, so funny thing here. So when I say seven teams, right. Like there is a scenario where the Grizzlies come out of the West, but I'm not expecting them to, right. There's a scenario right. where the Kings come out of the West, but I'm not expecting them to. And the scenario for the Nuggets, uh, obviously, um, and so there's three, and then we go Suns, Warriors, Lakers. That's six. Clippers is seven, and you know the Clippers. Like, sorry, is Paul George going to be healthy? Whatever. But that's the seven. And if anybody wants to tell me that any one of those seven can't come out of the West, I'm going to tell them that you're you're just wrong. All seven of those can. There's just not a solid case. Uh, there, some of them have stronger cases than others. Even as I say that, Anthony, I just click the uh, differential button on the standings. Uh, mm -hmm. because because of something else that I had noticed. So the analytics guys will tell you that often your point differential for the season is, is a more indicative number of your general strength as a team than your actual win-loss record. Because sometimes yeah. there's a couple of weird blown games here or there, whatever. But the point differential for the season is more indicative of your strength than the record in a lot of cases. Do you know who has the fifth best point differential in the Western Conference? 
off the top of my head, I would guess. Is it the Lakers? No, no, they're like seventh. Um, is it Memphis? No, I don't know. No, it's a team we. Haven't I, it, even it, this is, I think, making your point. <laughs> it's a t- it's a team that we have not named. The New Orleans Pelicans are plus one point nine for the season. Without Zion. that is without without Zion for almost all of it. There, mm-hmm. so that the the top point differential in the West is the Grizzlies at at, at four. The Nuggets are three three point three, the Kings three point one, the Suns two point three, the Pelicans one point nine, and then it drops quite a bit. The Thunder and the Warriors have the same point differential, point nine. The Mavericks are at point four, and the Lakers and Clippers are both at point three. Mm-hmm. That's all the plus teams. So, which is which is about right, right? Like the only team that's still in play in range that is not in there is the Timberwolves, who are a minus point three. Um, and again. The numbers are the numbers. It, like they, they are, they are not all knowing. Um, but it's fascinating that that a team that we're not even considering, like in this wide open race, no one's thinking about the Pelicans, and they've had a really weird season. Um, yeah, on a number of fronts. But they do have the fifth best point differential in the Western Conference, ahead of you know three teams that we're considering contenders in the Warriors, Lakers, and Clippers. So anyway, just another little data point there that I thought was fascinating. I, I think it's fascinating. We went this whole time, didn't mention one of the seven teams. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we we've been making this case for why this thing is wide open, and there was a team that we just didn't even mention because and I and I don't so think the Pelicans are in. Else. And I don't believe in them. I'm I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I don't. If Zion were playing, or there was some hope of him coming back, instead we got another like seven sentence uh, update on him that actually told us nothing yesterday yeah. like it was, it was it's it's amazing how many words the pelicans can use in a press release to tell us that zion williamson is still rehabbing and we have no idea when he's coming back yeah <laughs> yeah um all right well this was fun um i don't know if anybody learned anything but i had fun talking about it uh and i think that's <laughs> the point i think like in, in a season like this the people who are like the people who are sitting there and 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 claiming confidence in how they feel about who's coming out of the Western Conference, to me, are the ones that are going to look the most foolish at the end of this because anything can happen, especially in in the first couple one-game sample sizes that we're going to get in the play-in and then eventually in in these uh, playoff matchups that we still don't know. We don't know how this is going to play out. And um, for those who, who want it, you know, painted in, 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 in the way that Howard is, is great at doing so. You can follow his work at GQ. Anything specific that you want to plug? You, you did mention a piece that involves uh, voter fatigue. Uh, I, I haven't, I, I'm really curious in, in your findings on that one because that's a, that's a fascinating topic to me. Yeah, so thanks. So yeah, uh, story up at, uh, at GQ.com right now and you can find it in my Twitter feed at Howard Beck. Um, it is just basically me tackling the idea of, of voter fatigue because it has been one of the main, there's many, many, many uh, uh, perpetually annoying MVP arguments and, and especially this year. Um, but one of them that kind of grates on me because, because I'm a voter, am I being defensive? Sure. A little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I've been a voter for, for all but nine of my 26 years covering the league. Uh, when I worked for the New York times, uh, they don't allow you to vote. Um, so I've been a voter for all of, you know, the last 10 seasons and, 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 uh, all the seven years that I was covering the Lakers before I went to the New York times. So, um, when people talk about, well, the voters do this, or the voters think this, or the voters are too caught up in narratives or the voters are, you know, are tired of voting for LeBron. So they're moving on. And they're, 
all of these things I, I always think about because I'm like, well, how do you know what I'm thinking or any of the other, you know, there's, there's a hundred voters right now. There used to be up to 130. It's now a hundred. Mm -hmm. How does anybody know what all of us, I don't know what the other voters are thinking. I'm not like, I, I might, you know, you know, we bump into each other at a game. I might, you know, ask Zach Lowe, Hey, what are you thinking for like third team, all NBA guard or something? But, but like, we're not conferring. There's no hundred person conference call or zoom meeting. Everybody's sitting there with their ballots at their own, uh, you know, workplaces or homes and eventually figuring out how they're going to decide this. So it, the idea that anybody can mind read the, all, the entire, uh, field of voters is, is, is weird anyway, but voter fatigue has always kind of graded on me in particular because I hear it all the time. And I even hear it from other media members where they say, well, because of voter fatigue, Jokic won't win a third. And so I wanted to go back through the history of it and, and not literally every year because it would be like 10,000 words. And uh, GQ did not want 10,000 words on MVP voter fatigue. Trust me. Um, <laughs> I, I did write at least four or 500 words more than they uh, were anticipating, I think. Um, but that's me. Um, it was just the idea. I have that the same problem. I, I always say like, all right, I'm going to write, I'm going to write, I'm going to keep this to 700. I'm going to keep this like, let's just make it a nice quick three, four yes. minute read. And right. 1200 words the later. Next thing you know, yeah. yeah. The next thing you know, um, mm -hmm. we have, we have the best intentions. Um, but it's, it's basically like, so a quick example, right? Um, well, LeBron should have won five in a row instead he won two in a row, then lost to Derek Rose and won two more. Voter fatigue. No, it wasn't voter fatigue. Something else happened back then that interrupted LeBron's run. You know what it was? LeBron deciding to leave the Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> in what then was an unprecedented move for a player of his caliber, pissing off the world, freaking out the world, people burning mm -hmm. jerseys, people just melting down. There was a backlash. That's not voter fatigue. That's that was backlash. That was people mm -hmm. hating what he had done and hating the fact that he had joined his one of his chief rivals, Dwayne Wade, and another star, Chris Bosh. So should he have won that year? Yeah, there's a pretty good case for why he should have won. But also, by the way, Derek Rose, while um, one of the weaker MVP cases historically, especially as, as an efficiency matter, his scoring efficiency, Derek Rose did lead like a, a I think it was like a 21 win leap or something for the Bulls. No other clear-cut stars on that roster it was all him um they not all him but you know you know what i mean they and they mm -hmm. won i think they finished with four more wins than the heat did and lebron had a, the extra baggage to carry as soon as people got over the decision and got over the backlash they started voting for lebron again um and he so he won four out of five if voter fatigue is really a thing and so this is the kind of these are the kinds of examples i'm trying to tackle in, in the piece if voter fatigue is really such a thing how does LeBron even win four out of five years? We, we, we should have gotten sick of him long before that. By the way, mm -hmm. this is uh, um, during a period of time where uh, I was not a voter for part of it. Like the the uh, his first two, LeBron winning the, his first two was while I was still at the New York Times. The Derrick Rose one, I'm still at the Times. Um, and then I think by the back end, I was voting again. But anyway, I, li I like how you're like, don't blame me. I didn't vote for Rose. I didn't vote don't, in that one. That wasn't my fault. You can't blame me. I literally, I'd wrote this line and then I deleted it um, before I sent it to the editor. But I, I, I literally did have a line in there where I said, and these were the years where I wasn't voting because I worked for the New York Times. So you can't blame me for Derrick Rose. And you can't blame me if you're pissed <laughs> off about Steve Nash. Because a lot yeah. of people are still pissed off about Steve Nash. And I, th those were years where I didn't vote. So. And now I, um, I just raised my hand. It was just like an arbitrary. It was just like a quick. <laughs> nobody, you know. <laughs> I thought you were like, we got to get out of here now. Um, anyway, no. <laughs> those, 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 are the, those are the kind of um, examples I'm kind of playing with in the piece. I also cite, so Basketball Reference has an MVP tracker that I'm sure a lot of 
uh, your listeners have, have have pulled up before, the MVP tracker basically factors in all the results of all the MVP races in NBA history. And the algorithm spits out percentages of, of how likely a guy is to win it this year based on the the precedence of, of decades. Um, mm-hmm. And so there's some really interesting results when you apply the MVP tracker retroactively to like uh, a number of these instances. What it really all comes down to, Anthony, is this. In the 90s, Jordan lost to Charles Barkley one year in 93 and lost to Carl Malone in 97. And that the 97 race in particular is where the idea of voter fatigue was born because a bunch of people that year, even though we didn't have voter transparency, then we didn't know people's ballots. Um, and we didn't have social media people in that time. Again, I was not a voter in 97. Can't blame me. Um, <laughs> a lot of voters in, at, at that time. And I, I looked up the old columns wrote about, listen, of course, Jordan's still the best player in the league, but Carl Malone but. has had Carl Malone has been great. And here's the case for Carl Malone. And, you know, it would, some people even wrote, like, basically, it would be a shame if he went his whole career without winning MVP. But again, I don't even think that's fatigue as much as it is almost kind of like, whether it's Lifetime Achievement Award, whether it's Sympathy Award, whether it's, um, you know, it's unfair, there's a fairness factor. And these are all human responses to what people are too often trying to make purely a scientific exercise. Mm-hmm. It's not a scientific exercise, people. It, it, it's a subjective award. And I've always said, because we are in the age of analytics. If you want to make this who can win the PER race or the wind shares race or the box score plus minus race or the Vorps and Schnorps race, as Zach Lowe would call it. If you want to combine all the all in one stats into one super all in one stat and say whoever wins that algorithm wins the award. Fine. Cool. We can just ask the computer to do it and we don't have to vote. Um, and and there, we, we don't have to debate it. We can scream at the computer instead. But I don't think anybody really wants that. I don't, I don't, I, I for damn sure know the league doesn't want that. That is the last thing the league would want. Um, this was a blast. Uh, as always, again, check out his word work at GQ. Um, and, and I, I can't wait to, to see how you cover this league. And I am going to bring you back because I do want to talk about that voter fatigue more. Um, that, that is a concept that, or a conversation that I think we need to have more on the air because, I, it's a fascinating one, and um, while I don't blame you specifically because you didn't vote for for Derrick Rose, um, the <laughs> the voters at large, uh, you know, I think screw that one up. But yeah, I, I would I would love to I would love to to talk that one out. So um, yeah, I'm gonna keep bugging you in your DMs just to get get ready for that. All good. I, I welcome it. All right. Again, that's Howard Beck. We will hear from him throughout the rest of the season for GQ. And I will be back next week. Thank you, everybody.